All right, hello everyone. I know we got a couple people maybe still coming in to find their seats, but I'm gonna go ahead and get started if that's all right. Uh, my name is Adam Klein. I'm a uh, product manager at Manhattan Associates. Um, for those of you that haven't heard of Manhattan Associates, uh, we're a software uh, company uh, based here in Atlanta. Uh, we provide solutions for supply chain, inventory, and omni-channel. Um, so today, uh, the purpose of this discussion is really to talk a bit about uh, man and machine and how those two things come together inside the warehouse. Uh, so my responsibilities uh, with Manhattan are around uh, the product management side of things, which I, which I mentioned, um, specifically around warehouse management. So I've been with the company for about 23 years, uh, all within uh, the warehouse management space, um, you know, driving currently the strategy and roadmap for our, our WMS uh, moving forward. So uh, thank you everyone for uh, taking the time out of your day to come and uh, learn a little bit about uh, how, uh, you know, how to best you know, kind of orchestrate work, uh, tasks, order fulfillment through your DC, uh, leveraging uh, both your, your human workforce as well as some of the real cool automation that you see as you're walking around the show here today. So, you know, we've seen a huge growth in automation um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's really driven by kind of three major trends, I would say, uh, in the market. So, uh, number one, uh, the labor markets, as uh, you know, many of our customers have uh, confided in us, has, has been, you know, pretty tough. Uh, you know, as, as DC leaders have uh, gone out and tried to bring on, you know, new people, um, you know, whether permanent, you know, uh, employees or uh, even temps uh, for seasonality, you know, uh, you know, as we approach peak seasons and, um, and things like that, uh, it's, been, it's been a challenge. You know, part of that is because you, you've got a lot of, oftentimes, a lot of distribution centers, uh, you know, in, in a similar area or similar geography, uh, so there's a good bit of, you know, competition. Um, but you know, obviously, um, you know when when hiring becomes becomes hard, uh, you've got to look for alternatives. Uh, one one thing that we noticed, we did some um, you know some some polling of our customers, um, you know, not too long ago, and we found that you know our customers would basically tell us that you know if you compared maybe five to seven years ago, um, you know how you know the type of applicants that they were getting for warehouse positions uh, compared to today. Um, the number of qualified applicants is, is, is roughly 50% of what it was uh, you know, back, back then. So a significant reduction in, in terms of qualified, good people. That's um, actually resulted in some, some interesting uh, choices that, uh, that some of them had to make, um, including uh, maybe hiring people that are you know, either not quite as qualified or, or maybe have you know, backgrounds that are less, as, less, than, uh, you know, less than desirable. So uh, we've seen actually you know, those same customers that we asked about this you know, they said that they saw about a 30% increase uh, in you know, instances where they've had to hire somebody with a, you know, a criminal background that they may not have done before. So you know, in addition to that, you know, capacity, you know, how many orders can I get out of the DC in a, in a given time frame? Um, you know, obviously, we want to push more. We want to you know, do more with, uh, with our existing resources. And automation can, can be a tool uh, to help increase uh, capacity through the, the distribution center. And then we've got a number of customers that have, that have told us that you know, automation and especially you know, some of the things like robotics where I can bring in um, you know, maybe small, you know, small numbers to start and flex up to larger numbers, um, you know, really helping provide some efficiency from a picking perspective especially, 
and they're leveraging that as a competitive weapon uh, against their uh, you know, against their um, you know their competition. Uh, oftentimes, we see that like for you know, third-party logistics customers uh, that are touting some of these new solutions as a uh, as a tool and a and a competitive weapon for their uh, eventual uh, prospects and customers. So. A lot of things that are kind of you know kind of behind the scenes here that are driving uh, an increase in automation. So, you know, what type of automation am I talking about? So, I like to kind of you know kind of break these into maybe three categories. First is your traditional material handling equipment. So, this is your conveyors, um, you know, print and apply machines, and then you know we've we've kind of recently started a group, uh, you know, pick to light, put to light type solutions uh, in more of a traditional material handling bucket. Then you get into some of the more sophisticated solutions like ASRS or goods to person, uh, where there's a lot more coordination and, and logic, uh, frankly, necessary uh, to drive that. A lot more uh, intelligence required behind those systems. And then, you know, one of the latest trends, certainly, over the past couple of years are the robotics. And as you walk the floor here at, at Modex, uh, you pretty much can't go an aisle without seeing, you know, some variant of a, of a robot. Uh, and, and they, you know, they all do, you know, different things and, and go about oftentimes even a similar problem in different ways. Uh, so it's, it's a little bit hard sometimes to, to know exactly uh, what you're looking at. But um, as, you, as you start to peel back the layers, um, you, you start to see a few different things. So, you know, on, on, this, on this picture here, you see at the very top a, a, a pick arm. Um, that's one of our partners, actually, Kindred AI, um, that does some uh, piece picking and, and unit sortation. Uh, inside of a kind of a round put wall type uh, thing. Uh, second there is uh, Locust Robotics and then IM Robotics on the bottom. All these, all these guys are do, going about a, um, you know, kind of a different use case. So unit sortation, collaborative picking, and then self-sufficient picking in, in, in these examples. Um, but there's a lot more out there as well. So, you know, what we're seeing is just a, a huge growth in terms of the, you know, just the, the sophistication uh, in the variety of automation that's even available to our customers. That's you know, really driving complexity in a, a lot of distribution centers. So I don't expect you to read any of this that's on the slide. Um, the point here is just to kind of show, this is a little bit of a CAD uh, rendering of one of our customers um, that was you know, fairly sophisticated. You see a number of little blue boxes uh, here that are calling out specific different pieces of material handling equipment. Each one of those is actually dri driven by a different warehouse control system. So you've got multiple systems all playing together uh, to ultimately you know, try to you know, get to the goal of uh, efficient uh, operations within the DC. But it, but it creates some complexity from a software perspective for sure. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little bit um, you know, as we go through. Uh, but I just wanted to give an example of, of, of one. And this, this happens to be a, a, a very large uh, footwear or an apparel customer, um, roughly about a million square foot distribution center. Um, and in here, they had about 30, 30 or so, maybe 33, I think, uh, different warehouse control systems all kind of working together. Uh, the problem was, when I say working together, I'm using that term loosely because, you know, historically what they were doing is they were all doing their own thing. There was no kind of overarching intelligence that was uh, playing the role of kind of this master orchestrator, kind of going back to the, the topic of this, of this talk. And I'll talk about how, um, you know, some solutions can, can kind of play a role there. So, you know, from a, from a software solution perspective, inside the distribution center, I'm, 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 I'm not purposely avoiding the ERP. It's just not really uh, 
you know, kind of pertinent to this discussion, but the three major systems that we're talking about here today are your you know, warehouse management system, or WMS, uh, the warehouse control system, or WCS, and then the execution system, uh, or WES. Now, as you walk around and talk to different people, you know, I think for the most part, people understand you know, what a WMS does, right? So um, we'll, we'll, I'll probably give a little bit of detail around that as well, but where you start to get a little bit of um, you know, confusion is what's the difference between a WCS or a control system and a WES or an execution system? And then you know, we start to see some bleed over in terms of roles and responsibilities. So I want to spend a little bit of time uh, kind of defining that, at least from my point of view. Uh, you may uh, agree with some of what I'll say. You may disagree a little bit too, that's okay. Um, but you know, hopefully this will help um, at least you know, provide some, some guidance around what these three systems really should, uh, should be doing. So, you know, before kind of defining those, I think it's really important to note that automation itself, you know, really requires, um, you know, some, some visibility to ultimately perform its role in the DC well. And, and I, I like to think of the distribution center as having, you know, maybe five what I call natural resources, right? So you've got your orders, uh, which is really what makes everything run, right? Without orders, the rest of it doesn't really matter. Um, the people, uh, obviously your labor force, uh, the work itself, which is your picks, your, your packing tasks, your receiving tasks, all the, the work on the floor, um, and then obviously the equipment, right? And, and I would lump people and equipment in a very similar bucket because at the end of the day, they're both resources that are intending to get a job done, right? And then you've got uh, inventory, and I would, I would argue that inventory uh, is, is, a, is a major uh, component of all this as well and making sure that you know, your system of record is well defined for inventory is, is critically important in defining kind of the rules and the roles and responsibilities of those three systems that I just mentioned. So if you look at it from a systemic perspective and you think about who is the, who is the kind of the system of record for these uh, different you know, natural resources, you know, I would say four of the five really belong in the, you know, in the, in the wheelhouse of the warehouse management system, right? So orders, you know, the ERP interfaces orders into WMS, um, and then the WMS is responsible for fulfilling those orders, coming up with the, the, the right plan, performing allocation down to the location level, where do I, you know, pick that inventory from, and then really, you know, planning out the, um, you know, the shipping process from there. Uh, the people, um, I could have said labor management here, um, I, I'm a little bit biased given the fact that, you know, again, working at Manhattan Associates, our WMS and labor management system are so closely intertwined that I just kind of, you know, coupled those together from a, for the purpose of this presentation. Um, but, you know, to be probably more specific, people are owned by the labor management system um, with, with certainly visibility from WMS. Um, the work, same thing, uh, the warehouse management system is responsible for determining who should be, you know, where, where should this be picked from um, and, and orchestrating that work there. Uh, the equipment is the notable exception here uh, because that's really the territory of all the automation vendors. Um, and, and there's no better real-time visibility uh, that can be provided than from the machine level itself, right? So, you know, I'll give, you know, give that to the uh, automation guys. And then the inventory, absolutely 100% uh, owned and operated by the WMS. Uh, and that's, that's pretty, pretty uh, important uh, to, you know, to note as we, as we proceed in the conversation. The reason that it's, it's so important is because, uh, you know, obviously if you're making allocation decisions within the warehouse management system, if you're making storage decisions, where do I store this inventory, 
where do I pick the inventory from? Um, you know, that, that has to live with, with the intelligence. Any kind of sharing of inventory, you know, between multiple systems starts to become pretty challenging and frankly a little bit risky. So uh, just keep that in mind as we, as we go. Now, you know, I mentioned the, the warehouse management system, you know, kind of being fairly well defined from a boundary perspective, right? I kind of think of it as everything from the point of receipt through the point of shipping, everything inside the distribution center from a process perspective, right, that requires some level of intelligence, some level of the decision making, right, that, that belongs in the warehouse management system. And for a long time, integration within the distribution center from a solution perspective looked pretty simple. You had the WMS and you had the control system. The control system was really responsible for the movement of goods, right? The really all the move logic, right? As, as, a, as a box came down a conveyor, it approached a photo eye, right? It would scan that. And then the, the WCS was responsible for, you know, turning the gears and the motors to make it go left or right, really based on the feedback from the WMS itself. So there was a number of you know, kind of predefined integration points that, that have been built up over, uh, over the course of time. You know, things like pick-to-light and put-to-light messages to interact between the WMS and a put-wall or a, or a pick-to-light uh, system. Uh, MHE diverts. Uh, oftentimes you'll have rules defined inside the WMS to determine, hey, what happens if I scan, you know, this LPN or, or this license plate, right, uh, basically a, a, a shipping container. Um, what do I do with it, right? So there's maybe, maybe there's some order consolidation logic that's been defined in the WMS that says, hey, if that particular shipping container is destined you know, for this customer and you're shipping it through you know, on this shipment, on this date, well, all that needs to be consolidated down on the dock door. And so when it hits this divert, you know, send it left. Alternatively, if I, if I come across an LPN or an outbound shipping container that needs to be shipped via FedEx or UPS, well, maybe I, sh I send that right and it goes down to a dedicated lane and gets consolidated on the dock you know, for, for that particular carrier. So there's, there's a number of things that can be done there from a rules perspective, logic inside the WMS, sending directives to the control system, and it will basically follow those, uh, follow those rules. So those are some samples of messages going from WMS to uh, WCS. Now, going back the other direction, uh, oftentimes you'll see status messages. So, you know, things like item statuses, uh, maybe container statuses, as things move along uh, through the warehouse, um, the WMS needs to be kept apprised of what's happening, where that stuff is uh, in the DC. And then I put a uh, uh, kind of a sample API call here, so weighing an LPN. So as an outbound shipping container, uh, as an example, comes down a conveyor, uh, crosses an inline scale, it weighs it, then maybe it calls an API inside the WMS, to share the weight that it uh, captured um, so that then you know, subsequent updates can be made inside the WMS. So the integration here is actually fairly simple. There's a number of different integration points um, you know, and, and all these you know, over time have pretty much become standard uh, fare for almost any WMS that's out there. Now, what became pretty interesting is uh, there's a few companies that came along and, and, and noticed a little bit of a gap in the market there was some intelligence and some optimization uh, that you know, could be you know, leveraged by bolting on a third-party warehouse execution system. And what this did was ultimately, let's take a look at all the orders that are coming into WMS, right? And in general, what would happen is I would run what's called a wave inside the warehouse management system. I would select 
1,000 orders, 5,000 orders, whatever the number is and however your capacities are. And then all those would be shared with the WES, right? The warehouse execution system would then reprioritize those based off of real-time feeds from the control system. So I would understand, okay, this order right now is kind of at the bottom of the list, but you know, maybe I have some, uh, you know, some other orders that have the same need for that item, and I start to bump up the priority of that order as, uh, as, as time goes on. The warehouse execution system was responsible for kind of reshuffling the, the deck from a priority perspective and, you know, and interchanging these orders from a, you know, who, knew, who gets the inventory first and, um, and that sort of thing. Pretty, pretty uh, impressive um, you know, set of capabilities that came onto the market uh, to, to do that. Now, what they did in, in addition to that was built some pick path optimization. Uh, so there was order reprioritization and pick path optimization, as well as kind of connectivity to you know, various uh, control systems. So that's kind of where you, you came up with this quite a bit more complex looking uh, integration uh, perspective here, where you had orders going back and forth from WS you know, to the WES. Um, oftentimes, the WES would ask for inventory as well, so they could make decisions around um, you know, maybe even allocation, maybe replenishment uh, from, from reserve to active. Um, that, that middle part there, that inventory piece, and I've, I've mentioned this twice already, I'll, I'll say it a third time, um, really, really risky when you start to share inventory and try to synchronize inventory between two systems. Um, it, it, frankly, number one, it's, it's very hard to do. Uh, number two, um, if you get it wrong, you can start to miss, you know, uh, you know have mispicks, you can have, uh, you know, shortages of, on orders. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of uh, problems with, with, with that. So, um, you know, most of our customers that went down this path, uh, you know, maybe started with, with this in mind, hey, I'm going to try to do this. Um, but they, they pulled back on the scope uh, and, and really just said, okay, I'm just going to let the warehouse execution system do the reprioritization and pick path optimization, but the WMS is going to remain in control of allocation and replenishment. Um, that, that's, that's generally how we've seen implementations uh, happen up to this point. Now, if you look on the bottom there, you see a couple of messages going from the WES to the control system, and this is you know, the, all the logic that I mentioned around you know, the, the rules and the diverts and all that kind of stuff, the pick path optimization, the WES is feeding that into the control system to go and execute uh, on that. So you had this kind of, you know, three direction integration that would go on because of these third party bolt-ons that, uh, that came into the mix. Now, from, from our perspective, you know, if, if you look at it this way, um, you know, doing that became pretty expensive because now what was once you know, just a, a couple of integration points uh, between a, a warehouse management system and a control system, you know, became, you know, all these extra calls to a, a WES. Uh, so w we feel that there's probably a better way to do it, right? So um, what we've done is, is embedded a warehouse execution system directly within the WMS. And I feel like this is really the, the way the market's going. Um, you know, and this isn't really intended to be a commercial for, you know, for Manhattan Associates, but we were the first to market with a uh, warehouse execution system embedded in the WMS. Um, and what this allows us to do is from a, from a collaboration and a connectivity perspective, uh, we can be 100% you know, vendor and equipment agnostic um, when, we're, when we're dealing with these different control systems. That's pretty important because you remember that diagram that I showed you a little bit ago that had 
you know, that, that complex distribution center. And I mentioned there's like 33 different warehouse control systems in that one distribution center alone. Well, imagine the complexity of trying to interconnect a WMS, a WCS, and a WES and make all those work together. Very, very challenging, right? Not to mention, um, you know, quite a few of the warehouse execution systems that are, that are out there on the market today have a bit of a hardware bias uh, to them, right? So depending on who you've procured that software from, uh, they may very well be um, you know, somewhat limited in terms of uh, what type of hardware they can connect to, uh, namely their own, oftentimes. Uh, so being vendor and equipment agnostic you know, is best practice uh, when you've got a complex distribution center. Now, to, to make this work though, you know, there's a few new kinds of uh, communication that have to occur between the WMS and the control system. One of those is we need to understand the status at any given time of the automation on the floor. So imagine a unit sorter, right? We've got customers that have uh, unit sorters that might have 400 shoots. Uh, we want to understand, number one, is that sorter running? Um, you know, because you, you may have two sorters in a, in, a, in a very, very large distribution center. Uh, one of those sorters may go offline for a while uh, and only in, in uh, higher volume scenarios will it come online. So we need to understand, you know, what automation is available. So we've got status messages that would go between the WMS and the control system, basically saying, hey, are you alive? Think of it like a ping, right? We call it a heartbeat message. But you're basically pinging the downstream systems to say, are you there? And as long as we get a message back, we know it's there, and we know it's available for me to you know, assign work to. Um, we also need to understand the capacity, though, right? So it can't just be, I know it's alive and it's running. I need to know how much of it is available at any given time to assign work to. So that 400 shoot unit sorter, as inventory is being sent in and diverted down the chute, presumably the sorter would send a message to the WMS that says, hey, I've diverted this inventory, this chute is now not available to send any more inventory to. Similarly, as you pack out or you clear the chute on the bottom, uh, we need to understand, hey, now I've got an open chute. I can assign more work. I can, I can divert more uh, inventory to it. Same thing is true with a put wall or a goods to person or you go down the, the, um, the list, including things that are a little bit more non-traditional, not, not really material handling equipment per se, but more like a resource, something like a packing station, right? Packing station, you would have generally a setup where you have a, you know, a, a computer, uh, maybe a scanner. Uh, you've got all the, you know, all the materials you need to package out the, the order. In that scenario, we still want to understand, oftentimes packing is a bottleneck, by the way, uh, as you look at the outbound flow. We need to understand when the users are completed with orders so I can then assign more work to that. And, and the important thing about that is that if you can get to this real-time assignment based on capacities, you move away from that traditional kind of wave model. And I mentioned that earlier in the presentation where I'm selecting 1,000 or 5,000 orders all at once, making all my decisions on how to fulfill those, and then sending all the work down to the floor, right? What happens then is users will go and, and complete that work, and then at some point, you start to see a little downturn in productivity, right? Because people start to finish uh, what's been assigned, and then you know, what'll happen is I run another wave, and then everybody gets busy again. Right? So we get these kind of cyclical movements up and down of productivity and efficiency. Um, you know, in many scenarios, uh, it's, it's oftentimes better to, to move away from that and move to, towards what we call a pull-based model. This is when you get into things like waveless picking. Uh, we call it order streaming um, at, at Manhattan. Uh, but waveless picking 
is really uh, looking at in evaluating individual orders as they come into a distribution center and determining hey, how do I want to fulfill this order, right? And when do I want to fulfill this order? So it gets into that real-time prioritization of every order that comes in. That way I don't have to wait. Like if in the scenario that I mentioned, 5,000 orders, I, I throw them down onto the floor all at once. What happens when that next order comes in and it's super high priority? Well, I have to wait until the next wave runs. In a waveless model, you don't, right? We just, we just prioritize it right into the, to the group. Uh, and drop it to the floor as soon as capacity is available uh, downstream. So that connectivity to the automation is, is vitally important to accomplish this pull-based model uh, that I just described. So automation, and if you remember the title of this presentation is Orchestrating Man and Machine. I've spent a lot of time so far talking about the machine side of things and, and how a WMS can interact with you know, the automation side. But you know, we can't forget the fact that you know, the vast majority of the work is still done by humans in, in, in most distribution centers. Now, you certainly have some uh, DCs that are highly, highly automated and you know, have a, a ton of, uh, you know, of, of, of work that's being accomplished by the, by the automation, but even in those highly complex distribution centers where you've got these sophisticated solutions like auto stores and goods to person and you know, fleets or swarms of robotics, you still got the people that are that are there helping make it make it go, right? So, um, you know, I, I I oftentimes like to tell people that you know the most number one most sophisticated, complex, uh, most intelligent you know kind of piece of equipment at your disposal inside the DC are your people, right? The the human brain is way more complex and way more intelligent than any machine on the planet still. And I, I'll I'll still say that even with uh, you know Watson doing what he did on uh, Jeopardy years ago. Um, I still say that, you know, that, that in terms of you know, the different types of, of work and the, you know, the ability to uh, kind of sense and understand even something simple like how to pick up an item um, and then how to pick up a different item that looks completely different and has a different shape and um, orientation and, and things like that. You know, a human's going to outperform a, a, a robot almost every time. Um, you know, not, it's not to take away anything from these solutions that are here on the floor, uh, but you know, but I still maintain that the human is, is, is vitally important inside the DC. There's some things that we've not figured out how to automate just yet, right? So, you know, we're, we're getting there, and, and, you, and you think about the fact that, you know, we've got customers that have the receiving of uh, goods, you know, highly automated. But there's generally still somebody, even if I have an extended, uh, you know, conveyor that goes into the truck, that I can, you know, place uh, boxes on and take it into a put-away area. There's still somebody taking those boxes and putting them on, right, inducting them. Now, maybe we'll get there one day and, and automate that. Maybe there'll be a little bot that goes in and picks up the boxes and sticks them on there, uh, but we're not quite there yet. There's a number of other tasks that would fall under that category. Um, so, you know, our, our kind of hypothesis here is if you, can, if you can optimize the people side of things, right, and keep your people highly, highly um, efficient, and you can also you know, kind of couple that with optimization across all the different automation, and you bring those two viewpoints together and provide a level of intelligence over the top, that's how you're going to maximize efficiency inside of a distribution center, right? So, you know, when, when you think about this, this concept of, of trying to orchestrate work across man and machine, you know, there's a ton of questions that, that you know, come up. Like, number one, where is the item, right? Where do I store it? Where did I store it? And you have to know that, so, right? I mentioned some of the um, areas of responsibility of these systems. You know, the WMS, 
uh, you know, keeps track very simply of you know, when you receive a, a, a box or a pallet of, of goods, when you take it to a location, you scan it, you confirm to that location, the system will you know, keep track of that so that you know, when I have an order that comes in that requires that item, it's very simple uh, to go and, and you know, make the match on the allocation perspective. Now, there's a lot of complexity that could come in there if you have like first in, first out, or, or first expiration, first out in a pharma or a food environment. Um, if you're tracking serial numbers or, or specific key dates, um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of complexity that can come into, into play. And that, that kind of bleeds into the next question, which is like, which order takes precedence? Um, you know, how do I know when I'm looking at you know, thousands of orders coming in every single day, how do you prioritize that? Well, frankly, that's a, a scenario that you know, humans are gonna have a hard time just because of the sheer amount of data, right? You can create rules and you can set up these rules and, and, and that's fine, um, but, but what you've done is you've created a, a, a set of rules that are somewhat inflexible. Um, you need to continue to tweak them and adjust them throughout uh, the day or the months or the year as you have seasonality issues and things like that. So you know, software, uh, specifically the WMS, can, can really help with that, especially when you start to apply things like you know, cognitive intelligence and machine learning and other things that, you know, Sometimes you might think of those things as buzzwords uh, to some extent, but applied in the right way, uh, they can really help uh, help determine, you know, prioritization of orders, you know, pr um, prediction of how long uh, work should take, and things like that. Um, you know, what type of automation can move the inventory? So there's there's physics involved with many of the automation, uh, you know, pieces of automation that you see out there, right? So, am I talking about a large pallet of you know of water bottles? Or am I talking about like you know pre um, you know polybagged shirts? Those are two very different things, and you know the the automation required to interact with those items are are very very different. Um, so it's really important for your system to understand um, you know are there are there whitelisted or blacklisted items you know for each type of of automation. Um, you know resource availability. So we talked in 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 earlier in the uh, presentation around. Uh, determining you know real-time capacity information so we need to understand you know which resources are available at this moment so I can determine whether to pull in more work or not um, you know from a shipping perspective you know this this you may be wondering why why would this be even brought up in a conversation around you know automation and and, and everything like that but when you when you take a, a view out right and you, you kind of zoom out a little bit and you understand that Every decision that's made in the distribution center, it's all about getting the inventory to your customer on time, when you promised it, right? So um, if, if you take that as sort of your drop dead date and you move backwards, um, then, then all that has to be a, uh, understood uh, as, as far as the um, you know, carrier and service assignment, right? Is it two day shipping? Is it you know, ground shipping? Is it next day? Uh, very expensive. Um, and then, you know, when you understand what the cutoff times are for those carriers, and you understand how long it takes to do the pick and the pack and everything else, you can determine, you know, from a prioritization perspective, when that order has to be dropped to the floor. Um, you know, travel paths uh, inside the distribution center, when you think about um, a, a, a person who's, you know, walking with a pick cart, for example, and he's visiting multiple locations and selecting inventory from, you know, multiple locations, and placing it into the pick cart, you know, he's traveling along a, a pick path. Oftentimes, it's set up in this sort of serpentine, you know, up an aisle, down an aisle, up an aisle, down an aisle kind of method. When 
frankly, that may not be the most efficient way to, uh, to pick inventory. Uh, and there's, there's ways to go and, and look at things a little bit more holistically and determine whether or not you know, it actually makes more sense to go up an aisle, skip over three, go down, and then come back and hit, hit one more pick on the bottom side. There's a lot of different variations of that, um, and there's got to be you know, significant intelligence inside the WMS um, you know, working together with uh, the, the execution system to make that decision and ultimately come up with the most efficient uh, pick path. And then, super important here, how long is the work going to take? How do you determine how long picking this particular item from this location can take? Well, historically, you could probably get a, a decent picture of that uh, by just looking at maybe your labor throughput, right? So I know my pickers, as an example, are running at 100 units per hour. So, you know, adding another uh, order, you do the math there, you figure out how long it's going to take to do that, that, that order. The problem is that doesn't take any of the, um, you know, kind of geographic uh, pieces of the distribution center into account. Um, it also doesn't take into account that particular user's UPH, looking at things at a, at a broader level. So then you might say, okay, well, what about labor standards, right? So I went in and, you know, and I've, I've, I've done a program, I've brought consultants in, we've defined engineered labor standards. Again, that's a, that's a, that's a great step for sure. Um, but what I would suggest is the most accurate way to go and predict how long work would, should take is by evaluating how long it's taken in the past. So this is where machine learning can come into play and really play a, a key role uh, in determining you know, how, long, how long this will take. So we can look at you know, maybe past data. You can look at over the past you know, 30 days, 90 days, six months. Um, you know, look for similar types of, of work that we've done in the past. See how long it took. But you can't stop there. You actually have to apply current conditions. You need to know what's the differences between these two picks. Uh, this one took me 30 minutes. Well, guess what? The algorithm's going to go and, and run and say, okay, this one's going to take you 35 minutes because you're actually assigning it to a lesser performing person. Um, you know, or I've got some congestion in that area, so that particular automated resource is going gonna, gonna to sit and wait for a little while. So those are things that can be applied uh, into the system from an intelligence and optimization perspective to go and help me drive a, a prediction of how long work can take. And so leveraging tools and some of these new uh, capabilities that are available from a technology perspective uh, can really start to pay off uh, in, in, uh, from a solution perspective. So I mentioned, you know, how, you know, the, the difference between kind of the wave and the waveless and, and, you know, I wanted to kind of throw this up there in terms of, you know, just visualizing, you know, the difference between a traditional kind of push model, which is your wave, um, where you, you select again that, that large batch of orders, like a thousand orders, five thousand orders, whatever the case may be, you drop it all to the floor, and that blue line is your pickers, right? And then you've got your sorter and then your packers. So this is kind of a traditional e-com flow uh, that I'm modeling here. And what happens is as you drop those, you know, those picks down to the floor, your pickers get very busy, highly utilized at the peak, but then you know, they kind of drop off until you drop, until you drop the next wave to the floor, right? Now, you can compress this a bit by running more frequent waves, by you know, being intelligent about how you run your rules and things like that. But in general, this is what we've seen across the past 30 years of, uh, of, of running warehouses, um, is these, these types of uh, cyclical things. Now, what a lot of our customers will do is run more frequent waves, and what'll happen is that that time in between shrinks. The problem is the frequency increases, right? So you're kind of, you know, it's kind of a catch-22 type situation. So in this situation, when you move to a more waveless model, right, in our, in our uh, vocabulary, order streaming, uh, you get to this point where you get highly utilized, and 
the assumption here is orders continue to come, right? If orders aren't coming, then, then this, this model will fall apart, right? As will maybe business, I don't know. But, um, but once you get to this high level of efficiency, you, you keep it there because what's happening is now everything's driven based off of capacities on the floor. And as those capacities open up, we're pulling more work down onto the floor. And so by doing that, you're keeping your, your resources highly utilized. And that includes your pickers, your packers, your sortation sta stations, whatever those um, you know, resources on the floor, uh, regardless of the flow that you've got. So that's a little bit of a, you know, kind of a comparison between your wave, traditional wave model and your waveless model. To get to this type of model, though, it's imperative that you have an understanding of any automation that's playing a part, right? And so that's where the WES uh, really plays a, a prominent role of providing that real-time data into the WMS. Um, so from, from my viewpoint, you know, to do this effectively, you've got to have intelligence and optimization, and you've got to have you know, a flexible connectivity. And that's really what the WES is for, is for us. Okay, so when you, when you put all this kind of together, you know, you think about, okay, well, how many different paths are there in the warehouse to ultimately fulfill an order? So, fictitious company, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, they have a goods to person, uh, they have a uh, ASRS, and they have more of a kind of a manual driven batch, uh, batch pick to tote flow. So, all of these are, you know, call them inbounds um, and, and available uh, to ultimately assign work to. So the question is, at any given time, what is your constraining resource, right? What, which, in this flow, if you look at the top flow there, the goods to person, that ultimately feeds a packing station where you're packing out of a tote. In general, you know, the, the, you know, the vast majority of the time, your goods to person is probably not going to be constraining uh, your capacity. That's, that's probably not 100% a, a, a accurate all the time. But I'd say well into the 90%, uh, you know, you're not going to be constrained by a good person. You're going to be constrained by the people at the packing station in that flow. And so, you know, by understanding how long it takes to pack and, and you know, uh, what's available at any given time, you can determine whether that first flow is available or not. Similarly, in the second one, you know, you, you may have an ASRS and then that takes it to a unit sorter uh, where you're sorting by order uh, to a pack station, right? And so in this scenario, your constraining resource might be uh, the pack station or the unit sorter, uh, depending on how many sorters you have and things like that. Um, in, in that case, you, know, you would model this a little bit differently. And in the bottom, um, my assumption there is maybe your, maybe your people are the, uh, are, are the constraining resource, right? The, the pickers uh, in this scenario. So what the system has to do is it has to understand at any given time, what's the capacity of that constraining resource and which of these flows is available. It also has to remember, okay, hey, maybe this item, it's a big bulky item, it's not available. Well, it doesn't even, it can't even go through the goods to person or the ASR, so it has to be done through the manual flow. Um, and taking all these kind of different considerations and, and putting them together, the system's got to make a decision right now, this very moment, as I have this order with these items that, it, that I've got to fulfill, which is the most efficient way to fulfill those items. And so that's what, that's what these solutions are going to do together is ultimately get you um, all your inventory Picked, packed, and ready for shipping, right? That's the whole, the, the, the goal of all this. So, you know, if you think about it from a, from a kind of a value perspective, you know, bringing these concepts together, order streaming, or as, as you know, people outside of the Manhattan um, umbrella kind of under, understand waveless picking, right? So order streaming and warehouse execution together 
ultimately help save time. So we've got some customers that have you know, gone out and implemented this and, and seen significant reduction in order cycle time. And so that's the time from you know, the, the point where an order drops to the warehouse to the point where it's shipped, right? That time in between, um, we've seen reductions up to you know, 30 plus percent uh, by, by you know, following some of these, uh, these guidelines and recommendations. But it also improves asset utilization. So I mentioned you know, pickers and packers being oftentimes the constraining resources. Um, you know, we've seen 17, 19, 21% increase in uh, utilization of those, of those resources on the floor by moving to uh, a more kind of pull-based model built on you know, waveless picking or order streaming uh, you know, driven by a WES. You put those two things together, and, and this is where uh, customers get excited. So all of a sudden, now what has happened is I've unlocked additional throughput, right? So I can get more done out of the same distribution center in the same amount of time I get more orders out. Roughly 15% or more, right? So, you know, as we kind of close here in the last few, few moments, you know, I, I think there's a few things that, you know, need to be considered as you're, you know, kind of, you know, thinking through, um, you know, these different solutions. Number one, you know, which system is right for me? And so, you know, the metaphor I like to use is, is tools. I do a lot of, you know, kind of work with wood and, 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 uh, and things at home, building stuff. And I always, uh, I always like to say, hey, you know what, don't use a hammer when a screwdriver is required, right? So make sure you're using the right tool for the right, um, you know, for the right need. And in this case, you know, if you look at those three solutions that we talked about, the WMS is really where the intelligence and the optimization uh, resides and, and should reside given the you know, the, the understanding of inventory and orders and people and work, right? The WCS, absolutely, 100%. That's where all that movement logic belongs, right? Those of you that are a little more technical, the PLC level control, right? The stuff that's actually driving the gears and motors, that has to live in the WCS. And, and the WES really becomes kind of the glue that ties these things together. It's the communication layer that's got to be vendor and equipment agnostic to be able to bring all these different solutions, uh, you know, together. So... I think if each of these solutions kind of stays in the, you know, stays in their lane, so to speak, uh, that's that's how you ultimately uh, find success. I, I said this earlier, right? The, the most complex and, and cognitive machine in the DC is is your is is your human uh, workforce. So don't discount, uh, you know, the importance of, of of the people and keeping them involved in the right way. Um, whether that's you know leveraging collaborative bots like you see around here with you know Locus Robotics or uh, Six Rivers or Gray Orange or Fetch, uh, you know, a lot of great uh, solutions out there. Um, but but you, you, you see that interaction. Go watch any of their demos and you'll see the interaction between the people and the robots. And, and the intent there is to make that person more efficient, right? It's not always to go replace the person. Sometimes it is. I mean, you know, if you have a, a very highly repetitive task that you do over and over and over and over again, maybe a pick arm that's, you know, sorting something from one place to another, that's perfect for a robot. The guy that, you know, I've been to 100 DCs and seen a guy that just stands there and grabs something out of a tote and places it on a, on a tilt trace order. That's all he does all day long, right? That doesn't take a whole lot of, of, of thought. It's very repetitive. It's a great option to, to, you know, to automate. But when there's any kind of decision making in the, in the mix, you, you've got to have the human involved, right? So that brings me to my next thought, which is automation is there really for the most part, to augment, not necessarily replace uh, your, your humans, right? And then, you know, when you, when you bring in the right mixture of automation and, 
um, you know, and the, the, the optimization and the automation, you ultimately get some of those benefits we just talked about, right? Reduced cycle time, improved asset utilization at various points in the, in the process, uh, ultimately increased throughput, and you know, one that I didn't really talk about here, but eliminating shipment upgrades, that's also pretty important because that drives costs down, right? So as long as you can get those orders out on time, uh, the, right, the, the right prioritized orders out on time, uh, you don't necessarily have to go and, and upgrade those shipments the next day from ground to two day, for example, and incur that cost because I can guarantee your customers aren't going to pay for it. So hopefully that uh, gives a little bit of, you know, kind of uh, guidance on the difference between these systems, maybe some thoughts on how to bring these things together. Um, you know, any, any questions about this, you know, feel free to uh, stop by our, our booth uh, just right down the, right down the, the road there, 7485. Uh, my name is Adam Klein, happy to answer any questions. Uh, we have a few seconds left. If anybody got any questions in here, I'm happy to address. Well, if not, then I wish you a great uh, rest of the day and a, and a great show. Thank you.